Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I appreciate you being here. I'm happy to be here with you on this on this this beautiful Thursday night. I've been talking for years about a potential Holocaust happening in Canada, in the United States, in North America. This has been the topic of my conversation for years and years and years. And every time I brought the topic up, every time I spoke about it, every time I mentioned it on the show. I was always met with skepticism. I was always met with, Howie, you're crazy. What kind of uh, world do you think we're living in? The Holocaust happened less than 100 years ago. People remember that the Holocaust happened. And there's no way that there will be another Holocaust. And this is what I've been told over and over and over again. Every time I've mentioned it, this is what I've been told. Do we believe that today? Can we possibly believe that today? The answer is no. No, we can't. We can't believe that a Holocaust is impossible today. We can't believe that there is a no chance of our neighbors and our friends rising up and, and putting us to our death, putting the Jewish population to the death. There, there's no chance that we cannot believe that because it is very, very possible. And why do I say it's very, very possible? Because it's the truth. If we just take a look at what's happening around the world, if we just take a look at what's happening in North America, we understand that the danger of a Holocaust happening again in North America, this time in North America, last time I was in Europe, this time in North America, is substantially higher today than it has ever been before. The amount of Jew hatred being shown on the streets of Canada and the United States today is much larger and greater than it's ever been before, ever, anywhere. Well, aside from Nazi Germany. And this is what we have to remember. that It doesn't start with gas chambers and, and concentration camps. That's not where a Holocaust starts. A Holocaust starts with rhetoric. It starts with uh, governments allowing Jew haters to rampage through the streets, allowing Jew haters to attack Jews with impunity. This is where Holocaust start. This is where genocide start. This is where the destruction of the Jewish people always starts. And we're starting to see it. It's starting to be visible today. Doing a quick Google search before the show, of Jewish news, the first five stories that came up just prove my point. It exemplifies my point. Pro-Palestinian blockades are now just actively targeting Jewish neighborhoods, a National Post article reads. Well, yeah. Anytime you see an anti-Israel protest today, it's not happening in front of the Israeli consulate. It's not happening at some Israeli 
cultural festival or where there are Israeli diplomats. It's happening near Jewish neighborhoods. And the point of the protests are not to free Palestine, whatever that means. The points of the protests are not to, to, uh, save, to save whatever whatever strange cause these Palestinian protesters have, these, these, pro-Gazan, uh, these pro-Gazan, pro-genocide people have. The point of these protests is to terrorize the Jewish community. There's been a protest on Avenue Road and the 401, the Avenue Road overpass over the 401, the little bridge, for a few days now, with chants of kill the Jews, chants of free Palestine, kill the Jews, Intifada revolution. And let me explain to you what they mean when they say Intifada revolution. Intifada revolution means the indiscriminate attack on the Jewish people until they get their political goals. That's called terrorism. Intifada revolution is a call for terrorism against the Jewish people to try to pressure the Israeli government into doing what these, these genocidal killers want them to do. That's what Intifada revolution means. So when you see somebody chanting Intifada revolution, that's what they're chanting. We have to attack the Jewish people, not the Israelis, the Jewish people, as much as we can and inflict as much damage and harm and pain onto the Jewish people until we get achieve our political goal. What is the definition of terrorism? Well, let's take a look at that. The Canadian definition of terrorism, so if you want to look at Canada's law, which pretty much mirrors the American definition of terrorism, so this is pretty much the law in North America, is the indiscriminate attack on a visible community for a political gain. So what is the difference between calling for intifada against the Jewish people and calling for a terrorist attack against Jewish people, absolutely nothing. It's the same word. It's a different word, same meaning. So why are these people who are standing in public and calling for a terror attack or numerous terror attacks against the Jewish people not being arrested by the police? Why are governments not going after these people? One simple reason. And, and the Canadian Prime Minister keeps repeating it over and over and over again. They don't want to be accused of Islamophobia. That's the only reason. The only reason that Muslim people who are right now protesting, and they have the right to protest, have no issue with them protesting. They have the right to stand for whatever cause, even if it is the cause of a genocidal terrorist death cult. If they want to stand for that, that's, that's their prerogative. I have no problem with them standing and advocating and, and, and endorsing a genocidal death cult. That's fine. I, everyone sees what they are, so you know if these people want to show what they are, I have no issue with that. The only issue I have is that there is legislation which bars people from calling for violence against other people. And so if in public, when somebody gets up in public and yells Intifada revolution, as they did in Montreal, as they did in Toronto, as they did in New York, as they did in Los Angeles, those people have removed themselves from their rights of freedom of speech because you can't advocate, you can't incite violence against another people and should have been arrested. But they have not been arrested, and this is the issue I have. Why have they not been arrested? So the people blocking the overpass in Toronto, the Avenue Road overpass that goes over to 401 in Toronto, 
yelling Intifada revolution and kill the Jews. Free Palestine. Perhaps they should be arrested instead of being protected by the by the Toronto uh, City Council and Police Department. So the Toronto Police Department released a a, a statement this morning saying, yeah, the 401, uh, the, the, the avenue exit over the 401, the avenue bridge over the 401 will be closed for the safety of the protesters and the safety of the people. Now, the only reason that people would be protesting there in that particular location, as pointed out by Anthony Housefather, who's a Liberal MP in the Canadian government, the only reason people would be protesting in that location is simply because that's the heart of the Jewish population of Canada, the largest Jewish community in Canada. That is the heart of the largest Jewish community in Canada. That's why. No other reason. To instill fear into the Jewish population. To instill unease into Jews living in Canada. How disgustingly sad is that? And under the guise of freedom of expression, freedom of protest, under the guise of the Canadian Charter of Human Rights, the Toronto Police Department and government are allowing these people to stay there and to block off that intersection and to continue to call for the indiscriminate attack on Jewish people. It's shameful. It's shameful for a country like Canada, who has a shameful past, by the way, in the, in the way they deal with the Jewish community, but... This is even more shameful. And if, God forbid, there is an attack, oh, wait, there was an attack on the Jewish community. I won't finish the sentence because there has been an attack on the Jewish community. A Jewish-owned grocery store in Toronto, a grocery store called IDF, ironically, it didn't stand for the Israeli Defense Force, was, uh, was, was they call it arson. It was firebombed. It, it was firebombed. And that happened in uh, North York in Toronto. Yesterday, Jewish-owned grocery store was firebombed. Now, it's being investigated as a hate-motivated incident. So they're, they're, they're investigating as a hate crime. Well, well where's their twin? Why is, there, why is there an investigation? I don't understand. Sure, they have to find out who, who committed this crime. But when just a few blocks away, you're allowing a mob of people to stand and call for the indiscriminate attack on the Jewish community. And then somebody goes out and attacks the Jewish community. Why would anybody be surprised? Why is there a shock? Oh, look, there's a group of people, hundreds of people standing on the street yelling, let's attack the Jews. And then the Jews get attacked. And then everyone's like, oh my gosh, the Jews got attacked. It's, it's actually, if it wasn't so serious, and if it wasn't a danger, a global danger to the world, I'd say it'd be comical. It'd be something you'd write for some kind of, a, some kind of, a, some kind of comedy. But the fact is that people are going to get hurt, and get, people are going to get killed. A man already got killed. Paul Kessler was killed during a pro-Israel demonstration in, in, in Los Angeles just a couple of months ago. He was killed. He was murdered. Somebody took his flag and banged him in the head. Somebody took it. It wasn't his flag. They took something and banged him in the head with it and killed him because he was pro-Israel. 
if we keep going and we, we keep taking a look, it's, it's story after story of Jews being attacked around the world, of anti-Jewites as head of universities retiring, resigning their posts as presidents of universities because they couldn't bring themselves to say that the, the, the call for the, for, the, for the genocide of the Jewish people was against university policy, that it was unacceptable speech on a university campus. Now, let me remind you that if you misgender somebody on a university campus, that's grounds for expulsion. So if I call a he a she or she a he or whatever, I could get expelled from that university. But if I stand in the middle of the campus with a bullhorn and I yell, kill the Jews, Intifada revolution, I get applauded by the president and, and asked, what's the context? This is the world we're living in. So if you're going to tell me, even you're going to tell me that, that there's no chance of your neighbors and your friends turning you in, in the case of a genocide, you have to be kidding me. The danger is present in North America. It's unbelievably present. Olivia Chow, the mayor of Toronto, came up with a statement and said that the, that the arson, they're calling it arson, the firebombing of a Jewish grocery store in Toronto yesterday was not acceptable. Not acceptable. It reminds me of when the schools were shot in Montreal just a couple of weeks ago. Two schools were shot. One school was shot twice in Montreal. And the mayor of Montreal said, we stand against all forms of anti-Jewism, anti-Semitism, she said, and Islamophobia, because one always has to go hand in hand with the other. And we've spoken about this before. There's no reason for that. Why can't somebody just get up and say, we condemn the attack on the Jewish community, period. Why do we have to conflate the issue into, into other communities? The Jewish community is attacked, they should be free to condemn the attack on the Jewish community. Yet they choose not to. They choose to, to, to incorporate other communities and to, to try to minimize or, or, or at least soften the fact that the Jewish community is currently under attack right across Canada, right across the United States. And why would they want to minimize that, do you ask? Because Jewish life is not valued. I'll tell you now, and, and it's the honest truth. If there were protests on the streets saying that trans people should be thrown into concentration camps, trans people should be gassed, trans people should be burned, intifada against the trans people, there would be arrests, unbelievable arrests. People would be people would be would be lamb blasted in the media. They would be arrested. They would be tried for transphobia, for hate mongering, and and there wouldn't even be a question. And they'd be applauded by everybody in Canada. Everybody would applaud them. Everybody in the United States would applaud them. And that's the honest truth. If it was a rally, a KKK rally against black people, they would be they would be. Shunned, the police would come in and they'd call in, uh, they'd call in all their forces and they would physically remove these people from the streets. 
But when people stand on the street and call for the indiscriminate killing, the indiscriminate attack on the Jewish community, not a word. The government says, oh, it's Islamophobic if we say anything. There's a war happening in Israel. A war that Israel did not start. Now, we all seem to lose track of what, what, what's happening. The scorecard keeps getting muddled. But the truth is that Israel did not attack Gaza. Gaza attacked Israel. The government of Gaza, Hamas, attacked Israel, killed 1,200 people in one day. No country that's worth their, that's worth their salt would sit back and accept that, not retaliate in some way. CP, CP24, which is a news channel, quotes Jagmir Singh, the anti-Israel head of the NDP, of the New Democratic Party of Canada. And they've been blatantly anti-Israel and, and vocally anti-Israel. Especially him, Jagmeet Singh, has been unbelievably anti-Israel. And not just during this Gaza war, in general. He urged solidarity, respect, and heightened amid the heightened fear in the Jewish and the Muslim communities. Now, I don't know about you. I've been reading the news and I've been following everything that's happening. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen very many Muslim-owned anything getting attacked. I haven't seen very many Jews standing in Muslim communities yelling, gas the Muslims. I haven't seen very many Jews standing anywhere yelling, you know, Muslims must go. I haven't seen any Muslim bakeries or Muslim, Muslim delis being bombed. Yet somehow, politicians can't bring themselves to say that the Jews are being attacked and the Jewish communities in Canada are fearful for their lives and the lives of their children. But always has to conflate it with something else. Because Jews cannot... Jews cannot, and I repeat it, Jews cannot ever be the victim. In the woke-filled world we live in, Jews could never ever be the victim. Because if Jews were the victim, then we would have to empathize with them. Then the world would have to empathize with them. If the Jews were the victim, then the world would have to believe that Jewish women were raped and beaten and tortured on October 7th. If Jews were the victim, then you'd have to, then we'd have to acknowledge the fact, the world would have to acknowledge the fact that there are still hostages being held by Hamas, still hostages as young as 10 months old being held by Hamas, babies. If the Jews were the victims, the world would have to recognize that on October 7th, not only were men, women, and children killed, murdered in their homes, in their beds, not only were families burned alive and women raped, but men were raped too, and children were raped. 
This is all coming from testimony from Hamas people who were there, the people who committed the crimes, all admitted after they were caught that this is what happened. But they didn't have to admit it. You didn't have to hear them say it. They recorded their atrocities on their cell phones, on their GoPro cams, and they live-streamed it on various websites. So they don't have to admit it. They documented it. And here we are, looking at mobs of anti-Jewish people running through the streets, yelling, screaming, demanding a campaign of indiscriminate attacks on the Jewish population. And the government remains silent. And there are still Jews, lots of Jews, who tell me that they're still supporting the government. I don't understand how. I don't understand why. I, I'm hardly ever, I've been doing this show for a very long time. I'm hardly ever lost when it comes to politics and when it comes to people's reaction to different political events. I, I'm hardly ever lost in that. But Jews who support this indiscriminate killing of Jews and the call for indiscriminate killing of Jews, Jews who stand behind a government who won't protect their communities? I'm lost to try to understand that or try to explain that. Just totally lost. Maybe you understand it. I sure the heck don't. Before I sign off tonight, I wanted to um, want to talk a couple of seconds about Stanley Asher. A couple of weeks ago, Stanley Asher passed away, and uh, he was well known in the Montreal community. He was well known. He was uh, he, he he was a documentary maker. He made the along with uh, Dov Okinawa, he made the documentary Montreal Memories. You can find it on YouTube, which talks about. Old Montreal, the old Jewish populations of Montreal. He gave walking tours in his younger years. And he was always dabbling and he was always uh, busy in radio. He was a teacher, a high school teacher, then a college teacher. And uh, Stanley was the man who brought me into Radio Shalom. When we were on Radio Shalom on 1650 AM, he, he's the one who convinced me to come and do a show on Radio Shalom. I was uh, working at CJD Radio, uh, um, it's now owned by Bell. Uh, for for years, I was at CJD, and uh, I got a call from Stanley one day, and he said to me, "Hey, somebody told me that uh, you're a Jewish guy in radio, and uh, we're starting a Jewish radio station. We'd like you to join us." And I I laughed and I said, "I don't know if I want to be part of Jewish radio. What about a commercial radio? Jewish radio? What what am I going to do on Jewish radio?" He said, why don't you come down and take a look at the studios and we could talk about it. And I said, listen, I'm not interested. But Stanley was persistent. And he called me again and again and again. And finally, one day I said, you know what? Just to get this guy to stop calling me, I'm going to go down and take a look at this radio station. And I drove down and got into the studio and Stanley met me there. And uh, he started talking to me about Jewish radio and their, their vision. The station was just starting and they had a vision. They wanted the radio station to 
to to expose all all Jewish positions, all political positions, all religious positions. They wanted the station to be a true Jewish radio station. And I bought into the idea. I said, wow, that's such a great idea. Let's do that. And the Howie Subaru show had been airing online on True Talk Radio um, for years before this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to bring my show, the Howie Subaru show, and we'll do the same show we do online, which is a Jewish show. In, in, a, in essence, we do a Jewish show. We'll bring the same Jewish show that we do online to Radio Shalom. We'll do the show five nights a week. And he looked at me and says, really? I said, yeah. And we came on to Radio Shalom. We were on five nights a week, live five nights a week, three hours a night. Let's start off at two hours and went to three hours. Three hours a night, five nights a week. And we had a great show going. It was, uh, it was a rocking show. And we had the highest listenership on the radio station. And we held that high listenership. We held that listenership for 18 years. And the entire time that we were on the air, and the entire time that, we, uh, that, that I was at Radio Shalom, Stanley Asher was there by my side on the show when I wanted him to, giving me advice, listening to the show, calling in, and, and, and being an active member and an active, uh, an active mentor on how to make the show better. At the end, when we decided that we've had enough and we're going to leave Radio Shalom, and when we walked away, Stanley Asher was the first guy to call me and, and tell me that if there's anything I need, he would be there to help me. I'll miss Stanley. Uh, he passed away a couple of weeks ago, and I'll miss him. And I, I just wanted to give him a little bit of tribute on the radio show that he helped. Uh, he didn't help build the show. He didn't help create the show. But he definitely helped me, gave me a lot of good tips on how to make the show a lot better than it was. He, he was a great guy. And uh, the world really lost something with loss of Stanley Asher. Legend. He's legendary, really. I'm Howie Silberger. If you want to reach me, you can. You could email me, Howie at truetalkradio.com. You could send me a message on X at Howie Silberger. On TikTok, I'm Howie.Silberger. And on Facebook, you could like the Howie Silberger Show. You could, of course, of course, if you want, you could uh, subscribe to the podcast from your favorite podcasting service. And you could download the True Talk Radio Network app where we have all sorts of programming airing on True Talk Radio. So there's a lot of things you could be doing. And um, and uh, the show is live, by the way. I'm doing the show live right now on a Thursday night. Um, I didn't put the numbers up to call because I had a lot to get off my chest. But uh, normally we'll take calls. And, uh, and we'll be back next week right here on the Howie Silberger Show. Thanks for joining me.